no one person can satisfy all our needs. We have a lot of needs and we need them satisfied in a lot of different ways. Um, we're never taught our life purpose. You know, we have to discover our life purpose. And the thing is, is without purpose, our time and our energy is spent too freely, you know? And if you have two people who don't know what their purposes are, a lot of times what happens is it's vibrating at a very low level, that marriage, that union. And a lot of times when people aren't happy, you know, I think it's very hard to be happy without knowing your unique life purpose. What happens is that unhappiness, we project it on other people. Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Pure Happy Healthy. This is a podcast all about mindfulness in different fields that are dear to my heart. Join me for Mindful Me sessions, Mindful Model, Mindful Mensch, and Mindful Master, and dive in to beautiful conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Mindful Masters. Today's topic is all about relationships. And I don't know if you've noticed, but if you look back in the past 100 years only, relationships have changed so dramatically. I would say that back in the past, they were much more functional in order to survive or also very focused about getting children or just forming that community that was essential to survive, especially throughout the wars and throughout long distances of poverty. And then later, women really stepped into their power uh, with the revolution in the 68 years and in the 70s and the birth control pill coming out. Women finally had the right to decide if they want to have kids and maybe if they want to sleep with more partners or also practice polyamory, which was really common in these times. And also now I feel we entered a new age of dating. A lot of dating is happening online and there are more singles and also more divorces ever before. So are we turning into a single society? A lot of people I know at least are single. I mean, I live in Berlin, which is really a single capital and the capital also for relationships that are maybe not conservative, much more open to trying new things like polyamorous or any different sort of relationship ideas. And also the dating behavior has really changed. I feel at least that it has become much more faster. People really swipe through all the dating apps, are on different dating apps and ghosting has become a very big thing. So have we actually unlearned how to lead a healthy relationship? Or what does a happy and healthy relationship even mean? I think there are such things as conscious, maybe you could also call it spiritual relationships, which go very deep and allow the other person to grow and really where the partners see each other like truly for who they are. But I find it kind of rare to see these relationships, at least in my surroundings. So can we have a relationship if we didn't see a model growing up of how a relationship, a good relationship and a healthy relationship could look like? 
And how is the dating and the fast life and women being so independent nowadays and really the change of masculine and feminine energies changing also our dating behavior and our love relationships? Today I'm speaking with Monica Parikh about all these things, about everything about relationship. She is the founder and leader of School of Love New York City, where she teaches and coaches women how to get into more healthy relationships and how to really heal also from the inside first, maybe from past not so pleasant experiences and how to take that in as a learning experience and really enter with full power into the new dating world. Because as we come back in this conversation, it really always starts from yourself. It starts from within. If you work on yourself and if you really find the self-love, that's what you will shine to the outside and that's what you will attract also back into your life. But I don't want to take too much in advance. So I want to introduce you to Monica Parikh right now and let's get started with this beautiful episode. Yeah, today I'm speaking with Monica Parikh and hi and welcome to Pure Happy Healthy, Monica. I'm so happy to be here. I'm such a big fan of Germany and Berlin and I just feel so blessed to communicate with your audience today. I was just telling someone that Berlin was my favorite dance club I've ever been to in the world and I feel so blessed they let me in. <laughs> <laughs> I already love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Because, you. <laughs> <laughs> is my absolute favorite place. And uh, since we have COVID times now, it's closed. And I do miss it a lot because I love, absolutely love dancing there. So <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I'm from New York City and we don't have anything that even is close to that. So really, we need to send some American emissaries to Berlin to learn how to operate a dance club and then pull that <laughs> back to the United States. Or maybe we just need to have a virtual dance club and Berghain has to be like the center of it all. <laughs> There's actually a video game on YouTube where you can virtually walk through Berghain and check it out. It's, uh, yeah, it went viral actually because people are so curious about Berghain. <laughs> Oh, because it's so hard to get in yes. the mythology around it. And I went by myself. I think that's probably the only way I got in because I definitely didn't think I was going to get in. But I, maybe the doorman had never seen a woman standing in line by herself at 6.30 in the morning. I don't know. That was the other thing. We don't have in the United States, um, we don't have dance clubs that go 24 seven like that. So I'm a morning person, which makes it hard for me to go dancing at night. And I was like, these Germans are brilliant. This is amazing. I could so I started at 630 and I didn't exit till 4 p.m. But boy, did I, I have, I had the best, most amazing time. I loved it. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I actually do the same. I go in the morning and then I leave on in the evening. So it's beautiful. Such a good invention. The Berliners love parties. That can be said. But oh, I had such a great time in Berlin. I'd go back in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, you should come visit once this is over. But talking about morning, you already said you're a morning person. So I'm curious. My first question to my guests is always, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Well, I'm still consuming it. I am on a almost 
completely plant-based vegan diet. And this morning I have a delivery food system that brings a different smoothie to my house um, for the week. And today's smoothie had strawberries, bananas, almond butter, coconut nectar, pea protein, and Himalayan salt. It's called an A, B, and J smoothie by Splendid Spoon. So that was my breakfast. Wow, that sounds delicious. And now I even love you more because I'm also plant-based and vegan. <laughs> I think we should meet sometime personally. Well, no wonder you're so gorgeous. <laughs> I spent like what the first five minutes of our pre-call saying, oh my God, you are so beautiful. But I find that people who eat plant-based diets, not only are they so radiant and healthy from the inside out, that they just have an aura of positive energy because the vibration of the food they're consuming is at such a high level. That was another thing that really impressed me about Berlin. Your food and the level of healthy foods offered was just unbelievable. The freshness of the salads were like just beyond. It's funny that you say that because I would say that in Berlin, we do have a lot of choices of very interesting and very good food all around the world, which is very affordable. But in general, Germans are known to uh, the per people that spend least money of their income on food. So we basically from whole Europe get the least quality produce. Um, and you can really taste it. I think the especially fruit and vegetable, the quality is not really good in, in Germany. Um, if you go to France or Spain or whatever, it, it tastes so much better because people here don't want to spend money on it. So it's interesting you had such a different perception of it, but maybe it's if you oh. compare it to the US, it's maybe different. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know, I, so I teach through my business a lot about emotional health and I like to take a very holistic perspective of emotional health, including how our food affects the way we feel mentally and emotionally. And I became a vegetarian, um, many, many, many years ago. Um, uh, probably now it's been 25 years ago. I became a, a primarily a vegetarian because my father had a massive heart attack and he almost died. And in the United States, the doctors and the healthcare system do not talk about nutrition as a way to reverse disease. So that was kind of my initial foray into it. But as I got deeper into my understanding of nutrition, especially in the United States, you know, in the United States, we have a lot of factors working against healthy eating meaning that organic food is very expensive to consume. We have an enormous amount of processed foods um, that are cooked in laboratories and they're cooked in laboratories to actually cause people to not to be able to stop eating them. And that's why we have epidemic levels of obesity and diabetes and cancer. And I think all these things are also fueling COVID-related deaths, you know, because when you have a body system that's out of alignment, you're naturally going to have an end result of um, disease. And so from my perspective as an American coming to Berlin, um, yes, I thought that your produce was much healthier and fresher than our produce is typically here. But I travel around the world a lot. And I just generally think in Europe, Europe has higher standards in terms of the chemicals and the pesticides and the GMOs that they ban 
compared to the United States. And like I said, for whatever reason, our doctors seem to be more willing to push prescription medications, probably because in the United States, a lot of pharmaceutical companies give kickbacks to the medical industry in terms of money that incentivizes doctors to pass pills, as opposed to getting to the root cause of many diseases, which is food and exercise and nutrition. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because I've lived on and off in New York actually as well for the past four years. And every time I was in New York, even though I ate just as here, very healthy, uh, plant-based, um, mostly fruit and vegetables, and I still felt like I, I was blown up a little bit or I just felt unhealthy. I didn't feel like good in my body. And I think it's really because there's so much um, yeah, chemicals on, on the food, even if it's fruit and vegetable and in all the other produce that you get, that it's yeah, almost impossible to eat fully healthy and fresh. And to your point that organic tastes really, really good in, in the States, I think, but it's so hard to get sometimes depending where you are and then so expensive that it's almost not affordable for yeah the the most uh, most of the people so i think yeah the whole food thing is such a big struggle in the united states and as you said it also shows in so many diseases that people have and also in the in the covid numbers that obviously as we know is quite out of control at the moment but Before we get even more into the topic, we, you already gave us some glimpses of who you are. Uh, we already found out you're vegan and plant-based. You love Berkheim and you live in the United States. Would you like to explain to the listeners a little bit more about who are you and what are you currently working on and what matters in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am the founder of a business called School of Love NYC. And for the last seven years, I've been building a curriculum that basically teaches people the skills they need to have healthy love relationships. Um, my journey started in trauma. Uh, in 2008, my now ex-husband told me he didn't want to be married anymore. And he left our marriage and He didn't give me any explanation and I never saw him again. And that was after a 10-year marriage. So I use that trauma um, as a catalyst for my own personal growth and development. As many people, you know, do. Usually you need something that's exceptionally painful for you to want to go to deeper levels of understanding of yourself. And basically what I did at that time was, you know, I first started to ask the question of, Why did my marriage fail? And then after that, I started to ask a larger question of why are marriages failing? You know, statistically, marriages are not doing well. More than 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. And of those people who stay married, seven out of 10 report being unhappy. So, you know, if you think about that, like if I was selling you a car, And I said to you, well, there's only a 50-50 chance you're going to make it to your destination. And probably 70% of you who do make it there, the ride is going to be terrible. You would be like, I'm good. I'll walk. <laughs> But, you know, we're so socialized to be in marriages that we keep 
kind of doing the same thing over and over and we follow the people in front of us and they don't seem to know what they're doing either. So I said to myself, well, if we were going to reconstruct marriage and relationship, what would that actually look like? What would we have to do? And from that point, I started to build a curriculum. And um, so for the last seven years, I've taught that curriculum to clients around the world. I have clients in Germany, Spain. Um, I have clients in Hong Kong, India. And I built a digitalized education platform. And what I found was that as my clients were learning the skills of relationships, they were changing in profound ways. They were becoming more calm. They were becoming more purpose-driven. They were communicating at higher levels. Many of them were leaving jobs and building conscious companies. Um, and they were leaving their psychotherapists and their therapists and their psychiatrists and coming to me because I did have a very strong intention to disrupt the psychotherapeutic industry as well as the dating industry. Um, and so that's what I've been working on for the past seven years. It's definitely 100% my life's work and I'll be doing it till the day I die. Ah, oh, beautiful. You really found your purpose. That's always so nice. And as you said, it's so interesting, right? That everything is connected. If one part of our life, we feel fulfilled, it automatically goes over to the other aspects and the other way around. So when we maybe don't have that good relationship, it probably shows also some other um, like ways of behaving in our other fields of our life. And then if we fix or if we work on one problem, all the other problems also evolve in a different direction. So that is really, really interesting and so cool that you could also observe that in your work. Um, so you said so many marriages nowadays um, yeah, go apart or so many people are unhappy in their relationship. What do you, why do you think that is like, what is the, the core problems people have in relationships nowadays? Wow, that's such a good question. It's a hard one. You know, I think there's a lot of problems in relationships. I think probably the number one problem, as I see it, is we enter usually into our first marriage fairly unconscious. So what that means to me is we don't have a very deep or true understanding of ourselves. We don't have a deeper understanding of what our life's purpose is. We don't have a deep understanding of our family history and that how our family may have taught us certain ways of behavior that are negative or toxic to other people. Um, you know, our education system never teaches us very important skills that we need to prosper in relationships. And those are, you know, how do we set boundaries? How do we align needs between people that may be divergent? How do we understand the concept of codependence versus interdependence? Meaning that no one person can satisfy all our needs. We have a lot of needs and we need them satisfied in a lot of different ways. Um, we're never taught our life purpose. You know, we have to discover our life purpose. And the thing is, is without purpose, Our time and our energy is spent too freely, you know, and if you have two people who don't know what their purposes are, 
a lot of times what happens is it's vibrating at a very low level, that marriage, that union. And a lot of times when people aren't happy, you know, I think it's very hard to be happy without knowing your unique life purpose. What happens is that unhappiness, we project it on other people. I'm not happy because you didn't make me happy. And we don't realize that happiness just generally is an inside job and that a relationship is where we share the happiness inside of us. It's not something we extract from another person, but it's just, I'm here to share this happiness with you and let's multiply our happiness together. Mm. So it's so many things that we have to learn and that somebody has to kindly teach us and that we have to consistently and diligently take time to study. You know, that's the other part of it. Isn't it interesting that we learn so many things in school, but we never really learn essential things like love or um, finances or mindset work? We don't learn these things anywhere besides at one day, maybe we get to discover it by ourselves, and we realize that there is still such a own unique world that makes us so much happier and That, that there is something that we can do to have a better life. Um, so it sounds like uh, if we take all this around, like how we could have a happy and uh, healthy relationship, it would mean that, um, yeah, we should be conscious and have a deep understanding of ourselves and, yeah, all the other things that you said, like setting boundaries and not being dependent. And um, so it really sounds like it's an inside job that starts with two people individually working on themselves. Is that how you see it as well? I do. You know, in the United States, uh, I once read a statistic that the wedding industry is second to McDonald's in one of the most profitable industries. And, you know, in the United States, you can see it all the time. Nobody would think twice about spending $20,000 to $30,000 on a wedding dress that maybe they're going to wear five hours. And when people come to me to begin to do work with me, and I teach either privately, but my private rate is very high, because I want to disincentivize people from working with me privately. I want them to be incentivized to work in groups and to grow with a group of people because you learn from every single person in that group and you begin to develop greater empathy. Empathy to me is a very high psychological, heightened psychological state. We're not born into it naturally and we have to grow ourselves into a certain level of empathy. So You know, when I say to people, okay, most of my clients, what I sell is membership into a community space, meaning that every year you're welcome to come into that community. I'm going to teach every week. And as the years are passing, your understanding of these concepts is going to deepen and grow because you're changing, you're developing a higher level of consciousness, which is not an overnight process. That's a process that takes years. So I typically tell people that come to me, it's going to probably take about three years for you to learn the language that I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. That's how long it took me. It was very difficult, but my entire life understanding has changed so radically because of this work. You know, I really am happy. I will tell you, I'm really happy and content 99% of the time. When I'm not, 
I know what I need to do for myself to get myself back into that happy flow state. And all those voices I used to have in my head, the negative voices that would tell me all the things I couldn't do or wasn't good at or failing at, those have all quieted. So the thing is, I think I'm selling something that's exceptionally important and that pays enormous dividends for an entire lifespan, but people still want instant gratification. They think three years is too long. It's too much work, you know, because we unfortunately are being trained in a society where, you know, you can turn on your phone and get an answer quickly, or you go on social media and somebody's telling you the blueprint, but we don't realize that real change is through consistent and disciplined action day in, day out over quite a bit of time. And also for those of us who yearn for a new world reality, we have to begin to understand that the only way to create a new world reality is to change yourself. You know, to, to understand how to de-escalate conflict, to have more empathy, to understand how to broker needs, to state what your boundaries are, you know, to learn to put yourself first, especially as women, we're really trained to put ourselves last. And that is a very damaging psychological state for emotional health. So there's so much we have to learn, you know, and that's not an overnight job that takes time to, to do. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think it always starts within yourself, right? Like everything you see on the outside is basically a reflection of how you think of the world and how you treat and think of yourself. So you can basically see everything around you um, is just a sign of how it looks inside you and the other way around. So if you attract a partner that is maybe not so good for you, you know that there is still some wounding maybe inside of you and then you can do some healing with that. Um, what, what would you say, like, how can I elevate my vibration so I attract things, but also a partner maybe that is good for you. What are some tools and tricks to elevate and yeah, to just find a good match that um, I can go in a conscious relationship with? That is such an intelligent question. Um, so I think you hit the nail on the head, which is that we meet our vibrational match. We meet our match at our level of vibration. So take my story. My story was that my husband of 10 years basically abandoned me one day. The truth of the matter is I had been abandoning myself in that relationship for a long time, meaning that I had feelings that I was suppressing and I had needs that I never spoke out loud. And I often put myself last. So at some point, I started to understand that if I wanted to attract a partner at a higher level, I had to shift out of the vibration I was residing in to go to a higher vibration. And as you have correctly stated, we live in a holographic universe, meaning that my relationship with myself is the reflection of the relationships I have with other people outside of me. So because I often ignored my own feelings and needs, I would find partners who would also ignore my feelings and needs. 
So the number one thing that I really had to do to shift my vibration upwards was first to basically understand that until I had a very secure relationship with myself, meaning I would never abandon myself, my feelings and needs would always come first. I would never find a partner who would put my feelings and needs first. And, you know, we talk a lot about self-love right now. That's kind of like the buzzword, right? And we think that self-love is like, oh, I get a massage and put flowers in the house. But I see self-love as, and I see self-love as all of that. You know, I think self-care is a very, very important facet of self-love. But even a bigger facet of self-love is healing the underlying woundedness that exists within all of us. So think about it this way. We're all raised by parents who are operating at their best selves. But those parents, you know, have probably wounded us. Whether we come from parents that divorced or maybe they stayed together and they were fighting all the time. Or they created a certain level of chaos that we got used to and addicted to. And it's really going deep inside of ourselves and healing that core wound. And until that wound is healed, what happens is we go out into the world very reactive. We're almost like, you know, live wires that things wound us. We fight. We're trying to control the other person. We're trying to get the other person to make us happy. They're not making us happy. And When that wound gets healed, what ends up happening is we become very calm. And when things don't go our way, instead of saying, well, what did you do? We start looking inside ourselves and saying, well, why am I attracting this to me? Or why am I having this reaction? Or how can I teach this person what I need in a way that's calm and loving? And how can I have empathy for the way they see the world too? So how can I move out of this black and white thinking? You're right. I'm wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. Into, hey, let's all be right. Let's create a wonderful world of peace where we're aligning needs. Hmm. But I really think a big part of that comes from the underlying woundedness that exists inside of all of us that's unhealed. Mm. Yeah, you said before already that it's a process, right? That takes some time to heal first um, and then also carry that to the outside. So it's a maybe year long or maybe longer process for each individual, probably different. Um, so what do you think, even if I'm not fully healed yet from the inside, even maybe I haven't healed my my woundness from, from my past, um, or maybe I'm not really good with setting boundaries or whatever it is, do you still think I can have a prosperous and happy relationship even if I'm not fully there yet? I think you could if both partners commit to ongoing and consistent work mm -hmm. saying, you know, that I love you and through my act of loving you, I commit to making me the best version of me possible. I know I'm not there, but I commit. And, you know, here's the issue I see in a lot of my clients, a ton of my clients. And you can tell me if you, if you see this in Germany as well. 
many of my clients will enter into relationships with very good men. And those men are on some level conscious. Maybe they like reading self-help books. They already eat a very healthy diet. They exercise. They're meditating. They're operating in a pretty high level. But the women are willing to go under self-analysis and self-examination. So they're willing to hire a coach, someone like me or a therapist, and really like put a mirror up to themselves. And their partner isn't willing to do it. And I will say to my clients, oftentimes I'll say, I need you to understand that conflict is normal in relationships. Every single relationship in the world is going to hit a stumbling block. Do you want to get into a relationship with someone who isn't willing to do the work to have the mirror put on themselves? Do, is that for you something that you think you can do? Because I think that's a risk. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women in the world are yearning for men to take personal development much more seriously than they have been taking it. And I think right now, potentially the work of women is to hold a much higher standard than we've held. We've held a very low standard that has allowed, you know, a lot of men to operate at a low level of consciousness. And I think that's been part of our own codependency or our scarcity mindset that we've needed a man. Yeah. Yeah. I think right now, a lot of things are changing in, um, yeah, how men behave and also how women behave and in terms of their parts they take in the relationship, because I think as women are in uh, very high um, financial earning uh, jobs now, or get more there at least, um, are very independent and there are very strong women out there um, who love to be free, travel the world, etc., and take their rights, claim their rights now as a woman. Um, I think it really changes the perspective also in what they're looking for in men, but then also questions the role of a man in a relationship because back in the day, the man was the provider and the, the safe uh, um, harbor basically for a woman um, and the woman was there to do the housework and maybe she was allowed to work but she was so dependent and I think now I mean it's already a bit longer but really now it's it's fully there it has changed so much so I think also it, it puts the question out there um, especially for men like what kind of role do they play now in a relationship if it's in a heterosexual relationship um, But then also for the women who have different standards now on men back in the day, maybe it was just like, oh, he needs money. But now women are looking, looking into so much more and rising their standards, which men don't know yet. So it's a very interesting time um, to be dating, I think. So what would you say is the like nowadays the most um, common issue in, in the dating in terms of yeah, what men and women want and what's happening on the dating market. Yeah, I mean, I think you just put your finger on the problem, right? The problem is exactly what you're saying is that women have become so independent and empowered. And I think um, men are 
very challenged by what their role in society is as we're evolving very quickly. Here's where I think the great opportunity is, and this is why I feel super optimistic right now, is that one, we're at a changing level of consciousness. Consciousness is rising at a rate that's unprecedented that we've never seen before. You know, even so much so that you hear me on another podcast and then from Germany, you're calling me in New York and you and I are operating on the exact same wavelength. You know, we are in two different cultures talking with such ease about the elevation of consciousness. So that's the first thing is that we're at this moment in time that's unprecedented. The second thing is we just entered into the age of Aquarius, which is a 200-year uh, forecasted period of time that's going to be the complete revolution of relationships, you know, and the revolution is going to be really about equitable purpose-driven partnerships. I call those 5D conscious relationships. So think about it that we have been operating from a level of third dimensional consciousness. I think right now the collective has moved into a place of fourth dimensional consciousness, which is a pain point. You know, think about during this pandemic, couples are either together more than ever, maybe they're financially distressed, they're taking on more housework than ever before. So the coupledom is under stress and the singledom is under stress. You know, how are you going to have sex with a new partner that you don't know when you're social distancing and you're trying to keep yourself safe? So we have to have new conversations. Here's where I think the promise the promised land lies is when I think about fifth dimensional consciousness, I think of two people who are very aware, who have healed or in the process of healing their underlying woundedness and have developed both the masculine and feminine energy within inside themselves. So remember, most of us are born, you know, into an energy system. You know, we're predominantly feminine energy or masculine energy. And that polarity is like ma magnets. It's why very masculine energies are attracted to very feminine energies. And those can reside in either gender. So a man can be very feminine energy and a woman can be very masculine energy. The next paradigm, as I see it, the elevated paradigm is that you fully have developed both inside of you. So that first means that you have to have a, just a simple awareness of where your set point is. You can look exceptionally feminine and have a very masculine energy. And then you have to ask yourself, well, how would I develop my feminine energy? And that's a big part of the curriculum I teach is I take female leaders, you know, because if you really think the future is female, and I think it probably will be. Um, and when I say female, I mean female, not even in terms of gender, but in terms of energy. Then you say, okay, how do I develop feminine energy? Feminine energy is much more receiving. It's much more intuitive. It's much more calm. It's much more focused with intentionality of how we use energy. So, you know, even think about, I think about moving away from the paradigm of the eight hour workday. If I can get my work done in three hours, why wouldn't I want to? So you're talking about building a new world system, but part of that shift or that paradigm means that more masculine men have to understand feminine energy more masculine women have to understand feminine energy and they have to begin to balance those paradigms within themselves. And, you know, 
I think that's where the promised line, the promised land lies. I'm super excited to take women there. You know, many of the women that I work with, they're exceptionally um, successful. I work with women who are professors and doctors and CEOs and teachers and lawyers, and they have no idea how to access their feminine energy. And the thing is, is until we access our feminine energy, we tend to not have very good sex lives. We tend to not really connect with partners on an emotional level because we don't know what we're feeling. We're really in our head. We're not in our heart. And so really what you're trying to do is you're connecting the brain with the heart. You're putting those that together for both genders. Mm-hmm. And then you're moving both those people into more purpose and more intentionality. So it's really beautiful. Like the opportunity is so vast and it's so great, but it's going to take, in my opinion, a reprogramming because we've been very programmed and socialized by our parents and the educational system to wrong thinking. So to achieve that higher level of thinking, it's almost like we have to deprogram ourselves completely and reprogram ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I love that you said that we all have these energies inside of us and uh, we're like reprogramming them at the moment because I think back in the day it was more seen like, of course, the, the woman has the feminine energy and the man has the masculine energy, but even discovering that we both have both of them and they can also depend in the aspects and in each individual. And I even feel it's from week to week, it can be different. Even from day to day, it can be different, you know? Um, and then also allowing yourself to, to have these energies change, I think is super beautiful. Um, as I live in Berlin, we have like a very different, I would say, um, dating behavior amongst people here. Um, there is a lot of open relationships. There is a lot of poly uh, um, relationship. There are a lot of um, like uh, known asexual people. Um, so what is your approach to this? Like, do you think, because sometimes I think, like these open relationships or like poly relationships is maybe also kind of like a fear to really committing and opening yourself to someone and kind of like the back door, maybe, you know, like maybe I'm not so committed. I have a lot of others and I can still go. Um, but also I know people who are really happy with that concept and who really feel themselves and, and they say it's possible for them to love a lot of people and they have so much love to give. And um, also I know open relationships that work really well. So what is your approach to people who have completely different views than the stereotypical heterosexual um, relationship, monogamous relationship? Yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of down for whatever makes people happy. You know, I, I really believe that people should just be happy and they should find their happiness. I also believe in what you're saying, you know, a big part of relationship psychology is attachment and attachment is basically, we learn to love and bond through the relationship we have with our mothers and fathers. And when that bond has been traumatized or stressed, we often are not able to love as healthfully as we want to. So, you know, typically the problems are someone will either be very avoidant So they run out of relationships very quickly. They don't really attach 
properly. You know, there've been books, you know, men who can't love and things like this, where it becomes very difficult to have a stable relationship or the other is anxious. And this is kind of what you see with women in codependency. I'm always afraid of being abandoned. I'm very needy and clingy, you know, don't leave me. And I stay in bad relationships because I don't think I can walk out. And, you know, I think it would be interesting if every single person in the world went through, you know, the, my school, school of love, and really had a deep understanding of themselves, but a healing of the underlying wounds, and then made a conscious choice. Because you're right, you know, I think what happens is, one, to have a polyamorous relationship, to me, requires a very high level of communication and a very high level of self-awareness in terms of, am I jealous? Am I envious? Is this triggering me? You know, am I fighting more? Am I trying to control where the other person goes? You know, and those levels of communication are for the ultra high level thinker. So then, you know, have you just created a new set of problems because you don't actually want to heal the underlying problem itself. But if the underlying problem has been healed and those people in a very conscious and deliberate fashion are able to enjoy these different paradigms, then I'm all for it. You know, whatever floats your boat is where you should go. But I also think there's something to be said for that deeper inquiry of why am I making the choices I'm making? And are these choices the best use of my time and energy? Because that's the other place I come at it from is once you know your divine life purpose, the the particular reason you were born into this earth and the gift that no one can deliver but you, that takes an enormous amount of time and energy. And right now where I'm at in my life is I don't want a lot of drama (laughs) in my relationships because it just is not a good use of my time and energy. I want my time and energy for my life's work, which is raising the collective consciousness and working on my clients. And then I want my personal relationships to be the place I rest and enjoy myself and replenish my energy. Mm. Yeah, very beautiful. Um, I was I was wondering you said before um, how now it's all changing with the new consciousness etc and uh, yeah then really aware and healthy relationships can be formed when I look in the world I grew up and also if I look around me as you said I I see a lot of broken marriages I see a lot of unhealthy relationships I see a lot of um, also people who struggle with dating generally who date really fast so I feel like it's there are very few examples at least in my world here um, where I say wow this is a relationship where I think like wow that's the ideal that's where I want to go they lead as an example of a really a healthy and elevated relationship so if we don't have these examples and maybe if you grow up in a really broke um, family constellation and you've never actually experienced or seen um, a healthy relationship do you still think it is possible to create a relationship that that is like this if you've never seen it before or you don't have any examples to lead with? 
Yeah, I think that's such a fantastic and good question. Um, yes, I obviously, you know, I think that you can always create. You know, if you grow up into poverty, you're not doomed to be poor your whole life. You can learn how to be rich. But I think the thing that has to change is your thinking. So I'll give you an example. I recently, I just came back from a three-week trip in Mexico. And I was at a resort and I one day got on a, a bus to go out of town, you know, a resort bus. And the woman who was sitting next to me, her and I just got into a very easy conversation. And we were talking in a very similar way to the way you and I are talking. Just a lot of ease and a lot of high level thinking. And she said to me, because she was there with her husband. And the reason I started talking to her is they were wearing matching outfits and their outfits were so cute. I mean, his was like a guy outfit and hers was a girl, but it was clear that they were coordinated. And I said, do you do this all the time? And she goes, I do. She goes, I do it when we go on trips. It makes me laugh. And I said to her, you seem like you have a great marriage. And she says, I do. And I said, how'd you do that? And she goes, I watched my mom and everything she did, I did the opposite. She goes, I grew up without a father in a broken home where my mother was always broke, you know, and she was always living hand to mouth. And she said, and I knew somewhere inside myself that was not the way to live. And she said to me, you know, I just made a choice that when I got married, I was going to have one father for all my children and he was going to stay and raise my kids with me. And she was saying they have four kids and that they go to couples counseling together. And they make it a priority to go on two vacations a year that are just the two of them only that prioritizes the marriage. And she makes it a priority to go on one vacation with just her girlfriends for herself. And then she goes on one vacation with the family, with the kids. And she, I, you know, her and I were talking back and forth and I said, wow, you know, I didn't have that because I grew up in a family where my parents were married 50 years and I thought that was the model. And I said, it wasn't until I did a lot of personal development work on myself that I realized just because my parents had a long lasting and fairly healthy marriage, that didn't mean they weren't doing things wrong, that, that still, I could still evolve. And I said to her, I really needed someone to show me that. Like I wasn't, I wasn't putting the pieces together. And she says, oh no, I put all the pieces together and I just always consistently took the opposite road. So I think what that story to me represents is, you know, you don't have to, none of us have the perfect model and we're evolving. Think about evolution and Darwinism. You know, even if there was a perfect model, we still have to do better than that because we're, a ne we're the next level generation. And so I think some of it is, you know, some of it is you clue in and you're like, I got to do the opposite of what came before. And some of it is we take professional help. We get out of our own ego and we say, well, well, you know, this is what this person does full time for a living. And I believe that all of this work, which we're talking about is emotional and mental work, it has to be destigmatized. So we don't see it as bad. We see it like going to the gym. You know, you don't get guilted because you like to go to the gym. So why should you get guilted? Because you like to go to a coach or a therapist. Yeah. And that shows again so well that it's all starts from your own inside, right? If you want to change something, it starts inside of you again. 
Yeah, this was beautiful. I could keep on speaking to you forever. Um, but I want to ask you if there's maybe one last word you want to put out to the listeners. Maybe is there some advice maybe that you can give to someone who is maybe really frustrated with the topic of love at the moment and yeah, something they you want them to hear to uplift them and or maybe someone who's in an unhappy relationship or something. Yeah, you know, I think the number one piece of advice I would give is love is not something you get. Love is something you do. So when things really began to change in my life, it was when I saw that I was a font of love and that my job in life was to live in that love vibration and that every single person I touched, whether that was my housekeeper or the mailman or my hairdresser or the guy at the dry cleaner or the podcast interviewer, that the more I could love them and come from a place of, they're just like me, you know, we're all the same. They're just like me. And maybe I can just through a small word or kind act, leave them a little bit better than I left that, than I came, you know, that I can esteem them or listen to them or see them and be with them that that may be the most profound gift I'm able to give today. Mm, oh, so incredibly beautiful. I can feel the love. <laughs> well, I certainly love you. Yeah. I, I feel so blessed that you found me. I can feel that you and I will be friends for a very long time. And your energy is just so beautiful. And I pray that you're podcast becomes more and more successful and people outside of Germany hear what you're doing because it's really profound. Uh, thank you so much. I can really feel it. And I can't wait to go to Berghain with you. <laughs> I'm coming back. And you know where else I loved in Berlin? I'm going to forget the name. It's Vabali. I loved Vabali. Yeah. Oh, I had such a good time there. And we don't do this in the United States where we get fully naked. Yes, so I, I know. <laughs> enjoyed uh, the German open approach to nudity. I thought that was so transformative. We need to do this in the United States. For sure. Yes, we have plans. We have a full week scheduled with vegan plant-based eating and Berkheim uh, full weekend and then Vabali to relax. So... <laughs> You and I can just, just become each other's best girlfriends. And I, I told you, I would love to be back in Berlin. So, and you always have an invite to New York city for sure. Yes. I, I hope it's going to be possible soon until it's not possible. Where can, where's the best place to find you or to connect with you online for now and also find the school of love and maybe enroll in your programs. What's, what's the best way to connect with you? The number one and only way to connect with me is through my website. It's www.schooloflovenyc.com. And if you just go on the top masthead, there's a button that says connect with me. So anybody can press that button, drop me an email. I answer every single client email personally. And I really strive to give personal and ultimate service to everyone in my community. 
Beautiful. So press the button for some more love in your life, guys. And yeah, <laughs> speak with this beautiful woman. Monica, thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. I enjoyed it so much. And yeah, I'm very blessed. <laughs> uh, I feel much the same. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>